Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting across the world from Hollywood Boulevard in California, right in the center of Silicon Beach. And this is the third most important center for entrepreneurs, incubators, and accelerators on the planet. Don't forget, after this program's finished, to watch the vice presidential debate, if you happen to be in America. You'll notice that they were smart again this year to schedule it after my program had finished so that I didn't suck away too many of their viewers. So thanks to the, to the debate commission for that. Now, with all the misinformation about a failing U.S. economy that's been spewed forth in this um, U.S. election, it may be worthwhile looking at some actual facts. I mean, I don't want to mess up politics with facts, but in 2015, last year, 3.53 million Americans, 3.5 million Americans, were lifted above the poverty line, according to census data released a few days ago. More than seven years after the recession ended, employers are finally reaching deeper into the pools of untapped labour, creating more jobs, especially among retailers, restaurants and hotels. And they're also paying higher wages to attract workers and to meet the new minimum wage requirements that are popping up everywhere. And this all came together at the same time. Lots of employment and wage gains, particularly in the lower paying end of the job spectrum, combined with minimum wage increases that started to hit some very large population areas. Poverty declined among every group, but African Americans and Hispanics, who account for more than 45% of those below the poverty line, experienced the largest improvement. If you've been watching the political discourse, you would um, not believe that any of this is happening because according to one of the candidates, America's in the biggest mess it's ever been in and nobody's been ever been better, worse off and etc. Of course, it's all rubbish, but government programs like Social Security the earned income tax credit and food stamps have kept millions from sinking into poverty year after year, but a main driver behind the impressive 1.2 percentage point decline in the poverty rate, which incidentally, it's the largest annual drop since 1999, was that the economy finally hit a tipping point after years of steady but pretty lukewarm improvement. For all the improvement though, poverty still remains entrenched particularly among African-Americans and, and Hispanics. And, of course, it's more prevalent in the South and the Southwest. Out of the states with significant poverty, seven are Republican states and two are Democrat. Um, I'm not suggesting anything by that, but a lot of those Republican states have not taken the health care benefits that have been offered to them. So not only are there people not able to have great health care, but they're also missing out on a huge chunk of money from the federal government. Now, overall, 2.9 million more jobs were created in the year 2015, and that helped 
millions of unemployed people come into the ranks of regular wage earners. Now, many part-time workers increase the number of hours on the job, and wages in, adjusted for inflation climbed with the hidden benefit of lower prices at the pump. So people who couldn't afford the commute before could now afford to accept a minimum wage job. All in all, pretty good news. About 43 million Americans, more than 14 million of them children, however, are still officially classified as poor and countless others up and down the income ladder remain worried about their family's financial security. But the Census Bureau's report found that 2015 was the first year since 2008 when the economic downturn began that the poverty rate fell significantly and incomes for most American households rose. So all in all, amongst a bunch of bad news, there's a bit of good news. Now back on August the 30th, Twitter co-founder and current board member Evan Williams responded to persistent market discussion of potential acquisition of Twitter by saying that, yeah, Twitter would consider the right options. There's been a hell of a lot of talk in the marketplace. You know, Twitter's lost $2 billion in the last 10 years, and it doesn't look like making any money anytime soon. And a lot of people on Wall Street believe that Twitter may never become a major social media destination like, I don't know, a Facebook or a Snapchat. Instead, it may simply continue to be a service beloved by news junkies, athletes, celebrities, politicians, people like that. Twitter's also the go-to place for instant reaction to breaking news, political speeches, award shows, and... While it's like a newswire on steroids, this hasn't helped Twitter attract a significant increase in users. Accordingly, Twitter's stock has been languishing over the last 12 months. So thanks to um, Evan Williams' comments, rumblings quickly evolved into detailed rumours and detailed rumours turned into full-blown speculation and that led to an analysis of potential suitors. Now, less than a month after Williams' initial remarks, we've several frontrunners, Google, Salesforce, Disney, News Corp, Comcast, and Apple are all reported as being interested in acquiring Twitter. In addition, Saudi Prince Al-Walid bin Talal and former Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer, who are two of Twitter's greatest shareholders, could team to take the company private. I don't think that'll happen, but it could. So here are the reasons why three of the rumours might make some sense. Alphabet General... I'll start again. Alphabet <laughs> generated $21 billion in revenue last quarter, which is right on par with what Twitter is worth. So that gives you some indication. Alphabet made as much money in a quarter, as Twitter is worth total. Clearly, Alphabet have the money, but more importantly, Google has a legitimate need for what Twitter's selling. And uh, Twitter's executive chairman also used to work for Google. Their first foray into the social sphere, which was Google+, 
Well, that didn't work very well. So that's put YouTube at a disadvantage when competing with Facebook and Snapchat, both of whom tout much more social video platforms. So Twitter would give Google a much-needed compliment to pair with YouTube. Now, of course, regulators would probably kill that deal in its tracks due to antitrust concerns. Because Google owns basically all of the search and a good chunk of social, it may well make them too much of a dominant force. So let's look at Salesforce. Well, Salesforce already tried to buy LinkedIn, so clearly they have their eyes set on social. But how the hell would Twitter work in tandem with a CRM platform? Well, Salesforce's interest would be all about the data. Now, earlier this year, Salesforce acquired MetaMind, a company that specialises in deep learning AI with the goal of bringing artificial intelligence to all its products. This would, in turn, help sales teams identify leads that are most likely to buy and help marketing teams determine which products will sell. So that makes a hell of a lot of sense. And as our very wise and digital savvy listeners know, we all know that AI needs in order to actually work and that is user data. data, Lots and lots of it. Something Twitter has by the aeroplane hangar falls. They have got more data than possibly anyone. Now, instead of going into too much deal about why an old media company like Disney would want to acquire a new media company like Twitter, well, let's think about this. Disney owns ESPN. ESPN streams 6,200 hours of live and or original hours of programming every year. 6,200 hours. It's a hell of a lot. So many people watching these games and other activities take to Twitter to celebrate a win, critique a play call, and engage with both friend and foe. Joining those two things, live video content and real live time viewer engagement, well, that's got to be a match made in heaven. And thanks to Twitter's deal with the NFL, we've already seen its potential firsthand. And Twitter CEO, Jack Dorsey, is also on Disney's board. And that certainly can't hurt. So the prediction is that Twitter will get acquired and likely very soon. Now, a prominent venture capitalist is drawing the outrage of the internet after writing an op-ed that suggests that women in tech would be better off if only they weren't women and they hid their identities. <laughs> John Greathouse, a partner at Rincon Venture Partners, outlined his idea in a Wall Street Journal op-ed about how women might further their careers in the technology industry by pretending they're guys. <laughs> His suggestion is that women in today's tech world should create an online presence that obscures their gender. Greathouse suggests women use their initials instead of their real names, don't use photographs of themselves in their pitch deck, removes photos from their LinkedIn and Twitter accounts, 
and pretend they're men. <laughs> if this guy wasn't so successful and rich, you'd, you'd think he was nuts. Now, Greathouse cites blind auditions for orchestras, which, re which result in orchestras being more gender balanced, he says. And that's the basis for his reasoning. As well as data that shows that people are more likely to pay attention to someone who has a similar name to them. Well, what about the 52% of the population that are women? Scores of people immediately took to Twitter to express their outrage and displeasure about Greathouse's piece. Here's an example of one of the tweets. You are effectively telling all women, including impressionable young girls, to be ashamed of their gender. Another said, you are disgusting. You sound exactly like Trump. <laughs> Clearly, Greathouse's piece didn't go over in the tech world so well. And in my opinion, for really good reason. Simply because there's data support the idea that because gender bias exists, doesn't mean that that bias should be perpetuated. Greathouse's suggestion that women are holding themselves back in the tech world and every other world simply by appearing to be women, well, it's not only insulting, it sets back whatever progress women have made in the tech industry. Women in tech are still grossly underpaid compared with their male counterparts. They're subject to harassment or just generally not being taken seriously in the industry. Now, these issues can't be solved by women hiding their gender. So after the firestorm that Greenhouse copped, he uh, issued an apology. Women have a tough enough time having their voices heard, and my insensitive comments only made matters worse, and I am truly sorry. <laughs> Sounds to me like a lot too little and a hell of a lot too late. I reckon that Greenhouse just should change his name to Shithouse. It just seems so much more appropriate to me. <laughs> oh dear. If you enjoy this radio show each week, then you should become a member of the Bob Pritchard Premium Club. And if you're not a member, go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and join today. Let me tell you about some of the benefits you'll receive. Firstly, my members-only webinars. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, you will regularly get to meet successful CEOs and you will also receive a CD of interviews with 50 of the world's most successful people, what they've achieved, how they got there and the challenges, challenges that they had to overcome to make it. You'll also receive access to business merchandise, discounted to cost, as well as having daily access to the best of my disruptive ideas. Now, if that wasn't enough, you'll also earn loyalty points for all sorts of great rewards. And if you join now, today, go to bobpritchard.com and you'll also receive a bonus membership. And the program is 100% guaranteed. 100% guaranteed. How many people boast that? So it's 100% guaranteed. So in the words of Donald Trump, what have you got to lose? And the answer to that is nothing. 
Make sure you subscribe to my daily newsletter, which is sent out to over 16,000 business executives in over 60 countries every day. It's just a 30-second read, so it doesn't interrupt your day, but it gives every entrepreneur or business executives information that keeps them up to date and in many cases can help them in their specific endeavour. Now, my guest today is a really good guy from Metal and uh, Francis Delavecchia, and he's worked at high levels of operations and strategy for numerous firms, startups and industries right across the spectrum, from entertainment to politics, non-profit to tech. Now, Francis possesses the exceptional talent and experience of an entrepreneur, both in startups and large organisations. He's also got a fantastic yoga app happening. He's got a fund to finance cannabis when it becomes legal in California in just a couple of months. And um, he's also got a film fund that's set up in Iceland, which is really interesting. So he's a really interesting guy, Francis Delavecchia. And I'll be back immediately after this short break with Francis on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Where over the past five plus years, we've given you insights into the lives of over 300 of the world's most interesting business people, what they do, what makes them unusual what makes them successful, and hopefully what makes them tick. You know, it's extremely difficult to create a successful business and we all need all the help that we can get and that's um, why it's so important to listen to segments like this one and and, uh, listen to how people who are successful have gone before you and also why it's so important to have mentors, not close friends who will tell you what you want to hear, but serious mentors who are independent who will tell you, you know, if your idea sucks, they'll tell you. Now, everybody in business faces the same challenges. Everyone has to have a dream. Everyone needs to persevere. 
and everyone needs to overcome a bunch of obstacles. And uh, the fact that 95% of businesses fail is testament to the fact that taking that great business idea or your new invention to the market is difficult. Now, most entrepreneurs try to do everything on their own. You know, you try to be the inventor and the manager and the HR person and the lawyer and all of the other um, disciplines, but usually because they lack the funds to be able to pay the right people to do it. And research shows that most people who try that approach fail. Now, my guest today assists startups and early stage businesses execute in those areas in which they may not be so proficient. But he also does a whole bunch of other stuff. He's got probably the most broad-based career of anybody I've ever spoken to. Um, Francis Delavecchia has worked at high levels of operation and strategy for quite a number of firms, for startups and for industries across the spectrum, from entertainment to politics, non-profits to tech. He can prepare a company to roll out an app, attract a board of directors and investors for a film fund, or even build a celebrity poker team. Francis is also the head of operations at ISOL Film and TV Fund, where he's built a powerful team of entertainment and finance professionals to bring forth a brand new approach to film and television financing. But the one I love is Fix It Francis. I love that. It's just so catchy. I wish I had a thought of it. Um, it's a startup advisory designed to solve specific problems for businesses so they can uh, more fully flourish. And if that's not enough, he's a producer, media consultant. He was technical consultant for Showtime's Weeds, associate producer for Grassroots, producer of multi-award winning short film Help Wanted, as well as a heap of other pretty cool stuff. He's got a, a yoga app that he's finishing and he's also got a fund for cannabis. So there's a fair bit to talk about. Hi, Francis. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Hi, Bob. It's a pleasure to be here. I saw you at Metal last Saturday, but I just couldn't quite get across there. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I apologize for not saying hello again. Um, uh, you're really a jack. I, I, I tell you, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt already, but I, I, I listened to that bio, and I, I got to say, it just sounds like I've been living a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So you're really a jack of all trades from working in various capacities on mo- in, in the movies to advising corporations on what they need to be successful. What do you enjoy doing the most of all those things that I mentioned? What what really hits your hot button? It's a great question, and it's where Fix It, Fix it Francis came from. Um, I enjoy solving problems. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I love being presented with something that, either hasn't been done well before or strictly hasn't been done and just figuring it out. Um, that I, I love those kind of challenges. Like you brought up the, the celebrity poker team where someone came to me and said, you know, we need a, we need a team to go to Las Vegas. Can you do it? And I said, sure. And then I turned around and started asking my friends, how am I going to do this? And who knows some celebrities who play poker? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I ended up bringing the guy who won the whole tournament that year by accident. So, uh, $12 million. Um, but 
Yeah. So, you know, whether it's a, a it, it may seem to come to me, right? Uh, whether it's a, a new film fund based in Iceland where there's no history of private film financing or whether it's a cannabis fund that will hopefully put together unaccredited investors to be able to invest in uh, privately held cannabis companies, you know, really striking out and just sitting down with the beginnings of a team. And uh, what I love to do is flesh out the rest of the team, get the, the best people in the room that not only are the best minds for it, but I think what's often overlooked is, you know, chemistry is maybe too fluffy a word, but it really is. Sure. Um, people that have, you know, share a sense of integrity, share a sense of purpose, share the mission, because without that, when times get tough, and there will be tough times, they, and there will be challenges. Yeah, they ultimately get you, tough. That, that's when you find out if you're really aligned, right? And if <laughs> if you start out with a team that doesn't really agree on the mission or maybe didn't even think about what the mission is yeah, um, and isn't really aligned, then when things get tough, that's when you start to think, oh, this person sitting here next to me actually has a very different agenda than I do. Right. And, and that's when things tend to fall apart. So that's a long way of saying what I, what I love to do is be asked by a person or a team, um, here's where we're at, here's where we want to get to, we don't know how to get there, please help us figure it out. And that's what I enjoy more than anything, solving problems and creating something where there used to be nothing. And that's why I can, you know, I I can listen to that that bio of me and think, wow, you know, all these, none of these things really seem to have much in common, but the the two things that are generally in common for me are uh, more than two, but I'd say the big two are um, they were bringing something important into the world that wasn't there before. Right. And I was working with people that I thoroughly enjoyed working with and felt like we were on mission together. Um, and those two elements I feel like can uh, go beyond the boundaries of, of industry or company. And so if those two elements are in place, then those are the things that I tend to be drawn to. So are you, are you great at this because you've got the world's biggest um, database or because you're great at knocking on doors and finding the right people? Um. Well, you know, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm no longer a young man. <laughs> oh, you still look uh, pretty young to me. <laughs> thank you. Um, at, at this point in time, it's, it's really kind of being there and, and the right opportunities come to me. Right. You know, I, I especially, um, there's there's certainly a bit of, of hubris in calling oneself fix it franchise because then people sort of want to challenge you, okay, well then fix this, yeah. buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I 
I'm at a place where a lot of people come to me and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm blessed in that a, a lot of the projects are great. Yep. And the ones that, you know, in, in some cases they're tougher nuts to crack, which is fine. And it takes a little more time. Yep. Um, so yeah, at this point it's, it's, less knocking on doors than, okay, uh, I'm very happy to meet you. This is, this seems to be a great team. We seem to be aligned. Uh, you think this is going to take three months? Um, I think it's going to take two years. If, <laughs> yep. if, if you can come around to the fact that it might not take three months, then let's see if we can get it done in two years. Okay. If that makes sense. So, is Fix It Francis sort of a an overriding um, name for everything you do, or is it for a specific? Yeah, it, it, it just it, sort of encompasses it re- everything. It really came about because, um, frankly, people would ask me, "So, what do you do?" Mm. And rather than say, well, I'm working with a film fund and I'm working with a cannabis fund and I'm working with this app and I'm working with this other app and I'm advising them, um, it came to uh, literally I, I solve problems. And this is, this is my, my brand for solving problems. You have a problem, you come to me, fix it, Francis. I want to be known for being that guy who you can call no matter where you're at um, in your early stage venture no matter what industry, you know, within a certain realm, I'm, sure. I'm probably not going to help you if you're into mining or, or gems. Um, but, you know, within a certain realm of startup tech, entertainment, um, moving into politics, uh, I'd love to hear what your problem is and I'd love to see if I can help. And so Fix It Francis became that sort of branding for me. And, you know, my, my give back piece of that is I, I, do a a monthly down at uh, Expert Dojo in Santa Monica where it's a free event where early stage entrepreneurs can just come and we literally just mastermind their businesses, their specific problems. And, you know, it's once a month, it's free. And just to give back to the community of how can we give early stage entrepreneurs as much help as possible um, because the the mountains are, are high and yep. early stage entrepreneurs don't often have a whole lot of help that doesn't come in the form of exorbitant cost to them. So I, I like the ethos of expert dojo and I like to go down there and help them uh, when I can. So that's once a month. Um, mm-hmm. Whereabouts in Santa Monica? Expert dojo. It's in a Santa Monica place mall right up okay. there on the, on yep. the top floor. Right. Yeah. So Santa Monica Place Mall is is it a particular day of the month or is it? Yeah, it's it's generally the fourth Tuesday. Fourth um, Tuesday. Yeah. So if you're, if and you're it, it, it's it's always on the website. I mean, oh. the the latest one is always on the website. It, on fix it, fix it, it fr- fix it, Francis. Yes. Okay. So if you're an entrepreneur out there and you're wanting some help. Um, Go to fixitfrancis.com and uh, you can find the details. Um, what are the what are the most common issues that startups and entrepreneurs have when they come to you? 
the ones I the, the ones that I really like um, that are pretty common are how do we build out the rest of the team? Um, I've I've got this this great idea, and I I think it's going to work. Um, I don't have a whole lot of money. How do I get the rest of the team together? Um, that's, that's going to be able to pull this off and execute. And, you know, that's, that's actually how I got involved in this film fund in Iceland called ESOL, um, through a mutual friend, an Icelandic gentleman told me about how he was putting together this film fund in Iceland, the first private financing of film and television in Iceland. They have no history of it, although they do have a nice tax incentive and there is some government money available. And he was lining up all the necessary pieces within Iceland, making sure the proper banks and the central government and the Ministry of Tourism and Innovation were all on board. But to bring money into Iceland, he needed some people who had significant background in the film industry from outside of Iceland. Right. Um, so when he came to me, I said, that is a very challenging problem. So let's <laughs> go at it. Um, and I ended up, so now uh, the chairman of our board is the former head of Studio Babelsberg, the, the largest studio in Europe. Right. Um, there in Germany. He was the head of Avendi Germany. Our president uh, is professor at NYU. He was a writer for uh, Screen International. He is now editorial director for the online funding platform Slated. He's got another fund that he's working with in the Middle East. And our, and our head of acquisitions uh, sits on international juries worldwide. He is one of the founders of IndieWire, um, and he's worked in acquisitions for 20 plus years. So, and all of that was because we had a compelling story and a new approach that we managed to ignite everybody's imagination and get them behind it. Right. So, you know, that, that's the kind of stuff I love to do. Now we've got this fantastic team. We've got people working in Iceland. We've got people working outside of Iceland. We, you know, even though we're all, older guys. Um, we actually just did a, a startup program. It was the way that uh, Arian Bank in Iceland could figure out a way to help us with operations as we sort of spin up this project was to put us in the startup Reykjavik program. Right. So we just did that and had wonderful uh 10-week process. I wasn't there for 10 weeks, but the Icelanders were. Um, and really, it was a lot of meetings with the banks, um, Arian in particular, and pension funds, and not your usual startup program where necessarily we were being told how we could grow a business, but a lot of letting the people over there know what does it look like to do film financing? <laughs> yeah, right. That, um, how many so of these? We, we, how many? How many of these people that you got involved? And they're all heavy hitters. Um, how many of them mm-hmm. did you know before you began the project? One. Wow, that's fantastic. 
Um, and yeah. I think that's a great lesson for um, most startups and early stage businesses. Um, investors will judge you to a large degree on the people that you have involved. So try to get people that have got some experience and who um, have got some runs on the board rather than your next door neighbour and your long lost cousin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think most, you know, where, most people don't know where to start. Yeah. Yeah. So you uh, pick with, up the phone. With the, you know, if we can jump over to this, this app, it's called Wellnest, and it'll be launching shortly. Yep. Um, we're, just, we're just about in, to go out to our um, family and friends with our beta. It yep. should be uh, fully out there by the end of November. Uh, so it's a yoga-based platform, and it was uh, it came to me through a friend of mine, and the, the CEO, as I think I said, he has got a deep background and done very well in a, in a prior company. Right. And so it came to me, and it just so happens that I'm a 30-year practicing yogi, and we brought on a... A friend of mine, a thirty-year practicing yogi, twenty-year teaching yogi. So he's okay. he's the chief yoga officer. Right. So he gets the fun job of evaluating all the teachers. <laughs> so of course, uh, an app an app like this that um, it runs. We it's a platform connecting supply and demand. Essentially, yes. um, right. there's. We've got the teacher supply, we've got the user demand, and like other apps of this nature, it comes down to like, what's it gonna cost you to get supply? What's it gonna cost you to get demand? Yep. And can you make your margin based on that? So because of us uh, being involved and because of the, the network of the other folks involved in the team, so we've, we've already got 100 teachers spending $0. Fantastic. Um, so our supply, you know, we're launching only in LA. Right. Our supply is already there at, at zero, and it doesn't get much better than that. Mm. And you know, this is where someone, you know, anybody can have this kind of idea, but if you don't start with a team that's, you know, deep in technology and deep in yoga, yeah, you're 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 starting and giving yourself a very uphill battle. Yeah, you're right, right? behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. So when you, when um, when somebody comes to you, are you initially a one-man band or do you sit there and look at the project and say, hmm, I need these six experts on this and then go out and recruit them to work on the project? Or how, do, how does that work? How much of this lead do you take yourself? It's, it's all me until it's not. Um, that's a fair, that's a fair okay. answer. Right, I think. <laughs> um, it's, it's how much, uh, it's always first, really, before I'll bring anyone else in, I want to make sure I have an extremely detailed knowledge of what's really required. Right. Right? So, yep. When Thoramar came to me with the Esold Film Fund, it was it wasn't just 
one conversation that said, I need a team outside of Iceland. Right. It was, you know, a, a number of deep dives into what is the real goal here and what are the big obstacles in getting there. And after uh, refining and refining, it became clear that, oh, okay, now we understand that what we need is this team outside of Iceland. Yeah. Right. And then when that was the clear focus, then it was actually not that difficult to execute on getting the team outside of Iceland because that became the focus of the efforts. Right. Right. And then that's when, Oh, now we know exactly who we need to bring. We need a president. We need acquisitions. We need a solid board. We need a chairman of that board. Let's go out and get them. Um, so most, um, yep. Go on. Sorry. No, I was just going to say is that, I want to make sure I answered the question. Yeah. So most, um, I deal with a lot of um, startups and early stage businesses and almost the first thing they say to you when they come to you is, I don't have any money. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you've probably heard that before. So (laughs) how do you, you, I'm I'm an entrepreneur, I'm sitting out there in, in Venice and I think, Geez, fix it, Francis sounds pretty good. I I, I need that. So they mm-hmm. they contact you. How do you charge them? How do you how do you make a dollar? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's always a blend um, because by and large, anyone who's really stage, as you say, there's there's limits on on two sides generally. There's there's limits to how much cash they have for compensation. Sure. And there's also sensible limits on what kind of participation, equity participation they may have to offer. Sure. Um, And, you know, depending on whatever else I'm working with at the time, that can fluctuate. So there's, I personally... Being in in the startup world, of course, I'm I'm well aware of all the risks I'm taking alongside all these risk takers. Yes, and so for me, it's always making sure I've got a balance. Um, if there's a few companies that are more suited at, at the current time to be in a position of having the cash. Uh, then I might be more willing in, in other cases to go a little lighter on the cash for a little greater equity stake. Um, you know, just making sure that I'm, I keep that side appropriately sized. Yes. Um, never getting myself over leveraged where I'm working essentially for nothing for the promise of something from too many different companies. Yeah. Right. So, It's 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 an ongoing balance, and you know I think for me it's a I, I try to I try to be as transparent as possible because I think that sure. it's just easier to go through life that way. Yep, I agree. And I I think as long as I'm upfront with whoever comes to me with a with a unique problem, and I'm just very upfront about well. I understand where you're at in your journey. Here's where I'm at in my journey. This is what I would need uh, compensation versus equity-wise. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work out, and and that's just fine too. And they go away and go broke. 
<laughs> or, or they find it another way. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so sometimes. Do you um, when you get involved with a, a business, do you prefer to hang in there till the death? I mean, do you, do you would you rather have a short term um, project or a long term project? Well, I'll, I'll take wellness as an example because I think it's a good one. So right now I'm essentially, you know, I've got a fancy title. I'm chief of operations. You know, there's, there's five people. So <laughs> yeah. So you threw them out of a hat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, as well, and I, I fully expect wellness to grow significantly. Um, I think it's, it's got a, a great team and I think it's really poised to do all the things the right way. Right. And, Assuming it does that, then I've, I've been very clear that I'd love to grow with it. I think the, the pieces that uh, speak most directly to me in terms of that would be continuing to play to my strengths and problem solving, which are it's a, it's a scheduling app. It's starting in Los Angeles. It's going to grow. It's going to need to expand. So, beyond Los Angeles. Yeah. So the pieces that are most appealing to me are that rollout, right? right. So what right. does the rollout look like in the further cities? And so it sort of keeps the ethos of what I really like to do within the context of a bigger role within a bigger company. Yeah. So wherever, wherever that's possible, um, that really appeals to me. Okay. So now Esol Film and TV Fund, it's described as a new approach to film and television financing. Um, mm-hmm. and financing television and film is bloody difficult to say the least. Um, <laughs> how, do, how does it work? How, what's so different about it? So at its core, um, Esold takes advantage of first and foremost the incentive that is offered in Iceland. So the government offers a 25% film incentive starting January 1st of next year. It's 20% until then. It's going to be 25% next year. Right. So we can cash flow that. We can also cash flow the VAT, which a lot of uh, producers find it difficult to get the cash, the VAT cash flowed. Yeah. Which is uh, in in Iceland, we're talking twenty four percent. So it's it's significant. Yep. We can also do gap financing, and now none of that is particularly new and different. Uh, it is new and different for Iceland because it doesn't exist sure. within Iceland. But we have the part that's probably most exciting uh, for me is so that's the bulk of the fund. Uh, I just described can do gap, can do uh, covering the cash flowing the incentive, cash flowing the VAT. But there, we've we've reserved a piece of the fund that will do equity into uh, so the films that qualify for what I just talked about, the debt, the VAT, et cetera, et cetera. Yep, yep. They can really originate anywhere as long as they touch Iceland in some way. Okay co-productions, European co-productions, whatever they are, for homegrown Icelandic films, we'll consider taking the entire project, equity position as well, 
And for those, it's going to be the world's first green sustainable film fund, meaning you uh, as a producer will be able to access this money, including this equity money, by adhering to sustainable guidelines that we've put out for your production. And through public and private partnership, we make sure that if that cost is greater than it would have been had you not been sustainable, then we'll cover the difference in that cost. So okay. That's great. So that's really the, the, the shocking new approach yep. uh, that, to our knowledge, is not out there anywhere. And yeah, Iceland seems to be the first really the, the most logical place for something like this to happen. Most of their energy is green anyway. Absolutely. Um, their green sustainable ethos is very deep. So it seems a great place to start and it really brands the fund as well. Why Iceland? What makes it uniquely Icelandic? Well, in addition to all this wonderful debt financing, we're doing the green sustainable financing as well. Okay. We've got about 30 seconds. Tell me about cannabis fund. <laughs> well, uh, of course, it's highly likely that cannabis is going to be fully taxed and regulated in California yep. um, with the vote this November. That'll be legal. That'll go into effect January 1st of 2018. Yep. And with a local company called Black Box, which does crowdfunding for both uh, rewards-based and equity-based projects. Um, we're putting together a fund uniquely situated for cannabis startups and making sure that we can be the full service solution for the right cannabis startups so that they can get funding from traditional sources, angel investors, unaccredited and accredited, um, really giving them the solution that makes the most sense for their particular business, whether it's business to business, business to consumer, uh, whether it's a, a good or a service or a tech play. Uh, so making sure that we have uh, a way to bring all these people that would love to come into the cannabis space who may not know anything about it on the investing side to really do some handholding and, and pick the best companies and let them feel comfortable about the good that they're going to do investing in them. Okay, that's fantastic. Well, I'll let you know that I am voting yes. I've already gone through all the propositions and You've got, a, you've got a yes from me. So Francis, so, Francis, thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. And you can learn more thank about... You, it's a pleasure. You can learn more about Francis by going to, and I love this, just for some reason, it really appeals to me, fixitfrancis.com. So that's fixitfrancis.com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Absolutely no bullshit business radio show on Voice America Business Channel. And we're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. 
And this week we're broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, where technology meets entertainment. I'm looking out the studio window right across the west side of Los Angeles. It's a beautiful day. Now, Apple has refused to join the likes of Google, Amazon, Microsoft, IBM and Facebook in a new consortium called Partnership on AI. It was announced last Wednesday, and the idea is it will aim to ensure that artificial intelligence technology is developed in a safe, ethical, and transparent manner. They've been in discussions with Apple, and uh, while Apple, Apple are reportedly enthusiastic about the effort, apparently not enough to join the consortium. Apple's known for being more secretive than other tech giants, and the Cupertino firm tends to prefer to work alone when it comes to the development of new technologies. So the company's been gradually building up its AI and machine learning capabilities. They've been buying a succession of small AI startups. In the last couple of years, Apple's bought uh, several machine learning companies, including Tuplejump, Perceptio, Vocal IQ, FaceShift, and Emollient. Partnership on AI, which is a non-profit organisation, has pledged to work to advance public understanding of AI and formulate best practices on the challenges and opportunities within the field. Academics, other non-profits and specialists in policy and ethics have been invited to join the Board of Partnership on AI in coming weeks, but Apple has not responded to requests for comment. The latest bionic leaf is now, this is amazing, a bionic leaf. Think about it. The latest bionic leaf is now 10 times more efficient than natural photosynthesis. Over the past few years, great strides have been made in creating artificial leaves. And these artificial leaves mimic the ability of their natural counterparts to produce energy from just water and sunlight. Now, science that Scientists at Harvard have developed the Bionic Leaf 2.0, which increases the efficiency of the system well beyond nature's own capabilities, and they've used it to produce liquid fuels for the first time. Now, unlike previous versions, the Bionic Leaf 2.0 is placed in water, and as it absorbs solar energy, it is able to split the water molecules into their component gases, which, of course, are hydrogen and oxygen. These can be harvested and used in fuel cells to generate electricity. And with the help of an engineered bacteria, the hydrogen can be used to produce liquid fuels. In earlier versions, the nickel molybdenum zinc alloy catalyst used to produce the hydrogen also created reactive oxygen species, which would attack and destroy the bacteria's DNA. As a result, the researchers were forced to run the system at a higher voltage to ensure the um, reduction in the overall, caused a reduction in the overall efficiency. They designed a new cobalt phosphorus alloy catalyst, and this doesn't make reactive oxygen species, allowing them to lower the voltage, leading to a dramatic increase in efficiency. With this new catalyst, the system's able to convert sunlight into biomass with 10% efficiency, 
which is 10 times that of even the most efficient plants. But that's not the only potential application. The beauty of biology is it's the world's greatest chemist. Biology can do chemistry that humans usually can't do. So in principle, this is a platform that can make any downstream carbon-based molecule. So it has the potential to be extraordinarily versatile. Already researchers have demonstrated how the system can be used to create compounds such as isobutanol, isopropentanol and PHB which is a bioplastic precursor. Additionally the catalysts are biologically compatible so they self-heal so they don't leach material into a solution. Now the company synonymous with disappearing messages, Snapchat, will their new ambition begins with spectacles, which is a pair of funky glasses with built-in wireless video cameras that records videos from the human perspective. Snapchat also changed its official name from Snapchat to Snap Inc. because Snapchat was their only product, but now they've got spectacles. The camera in spectacles has a 115 degree field of view which is wider than the normal smartphone camera, and it's located in frames near the left eye. Spectacles can record up to 30 seconds of video at a time. Lights on the inside and outside of the frame turn on to let people know that you're videoing them. Footage could be uploaded directly into a user's Snapchat account in the memories folder using Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. And the videos are also stored in the sunglasses so you don't need your phone nearby when you're recording. The sunglasses come in a re rechargeable case that can hold a week's worth of use when fully charged. The sunglasses themselves can last a full day on a single charge. These spectacles will cost 130 bucks and will be available in limited quantities later in the fall. So I'll see you again next week when I'll be giving a presentation in Indianapolis to the Industrial Asset Management Council. So I will be broadcasting from Indianapolis. In the meanwhile, remember that if you're not really pushing the envelope and you're not living right on the edge, then you're taking up way too much space. So get out of the road and let people who want to get on get past. You know, it's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. So I invite you to go to my website, bobpritchard.com, enroll for my daily newsletter. It takes 30 seconds to read and it'll keep you up to date with all the business news that's important. Next week, I'll broadcast from Indianapolis. I hope you can join me. Good night. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.